Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. We're going to be looking at John chapter 14 this morning, the first six verses. And yet we also need to go before those verses and look at John 13 to see what led up to our current text, John 14 verses 1 through 6. My title this morning for the message is, When My Heart is Overwhelmed. We just read it there in Psalm 61. But we're all going to come to events in life that will trouble us, that will agitate us, that will overwhelm our thoughts and emotions. What hope does the believer have that's different from those that haven't yet surrendered their life to Christ? What hope do we have that's different? As believers, we can feel troubled. These disciples here that we will see, they were tremendously troubled. So what hope do we have that carries us through those times of anxiety and trouble? And I think our text uh, today gives us some indication. We're going to take our text and we're going to split it into three parts. The first part is called Dashed Expectations. And that's in chapter 13, verses 33 to 38. The second section we'll look at is called Dealing with a Troubled Heart. And that's in chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. And the third part will be Direction on the Way Forward, which is chapter 14, verses 4 through 6. So let's begin with looking at what led up to let not your heart be troubled, as Jesus said to the disciples. And so we're going to start in John chapter 13, verse 33. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Let's understand what's going on here. These disciples had walked with Jesus almost three and a half years. They had camped out with him mainly. I mean, it was like a big KOA, three, three and a half years with Jesus. 
And those three and a half years were filled with adventure. The, they never knew what was going to happen the day they woke up. They watched healings. They watched demons being cast out of people. They watched lepers being cleansed. They even watched people being raised from the dead. And to hear him teach was like nothing they had ever heard before. There was such authority, such compassion, such truth. So different than what they were hearing in the synagogues as a rule. And yet, four days before this, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey through the Palm Sunday Road, as it's called, proclaiming himself to be the Messiah. And they were amped. And now... They're at this Passover meal. They had had Passover meals their whole life. But all of a sudden, this Passover meal started with Jesus washing their feet. And that never happened before. And then Jesus takes part of the Passover meal and said, this is my body. And this is my blood. And then Judas takes off. And so they're not sure what that's all about, even though Jesus said it. And they were just like, duh, what, what? What was that all about? And so it was a very strange night. Plus, being in Jerusalem was full of anxiety because the disciples all knew that the Jewish leaders were wanting to put Jesus to death. They knew that. And so everything is ramping up. And so now Jesus is saying, uh, fellas, I've got to go and you can't come. And they're going, what? What? What's that? I mean, their expectation was the Messiah was coming to reign and to rule and to crush the oppression from the Romans. And now you're saying you're just going to leave? I mean, where are you going? I mean, their mind are filled with, with all of these things because their expectations are getting dashed. They're being challenged. Their expectations were correct but it was the wrong timing. But they didn't understand that. Have you ever had expectations that were realistic, but yet they didn't happen? And not so much that, but then events happen in life and it just crushes your expectation, like taking a clay pot and smashing it on concrete. They are agitated, they are troubled, and Jesus knows this. But they couldn't understand the need for Jesus to conquer sin and death, even though he had told them, and yet still it was foggy for them. Sometimes we hold so strongly to our expectations that even when we're told the truth, we go, nope, I know what's going to happen, and we're sticking to it. And then when everything comes crashing down, we're going, I don't understand, and we feel troubled, as verse 1 of chapter 14 says. They would understand later, wouldn't they? I mean, even after Jesus rose from the dead, they're still hanging on to the expectation. Take a look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11 in the New Living Translation. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? See, they're still hanging on to it. And he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times 
and they're not for you to know now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now, doesn't that seem to indicate a, a literal return? It does. Eventually, their expectations would be adjusted to God's expectations, especially after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. But let's ask, let's ask ourselves a similar question. What, what about the expectations we currently hold about how our life should turn out? about how our world should be run, about our marriage, about our children, about our future. I know that many of you have children that you had hopes for them as they were growing up. Yeah, and, and, you know, you had these ideas that this is what's going to happen. You put money aside to pay for their college and for their university, and you're all set. And then they go wayward. And then they take off and you go, no, 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 you can't do that. Unfortunately, there are some parents that want to live vicariously through their children because maybe they weren't so athletic, but man, this child is so athletic, I'm going to make sure that they get into the big leads, big leads because I need to be supported when I get old. And then they take off, and your expectation is crashed on the ground. I want to say something to you. God is an artist, and he loves mosaics. And God takes those pieces of our expectations that have been dashed, and he begins to put them in his own artwork. And the dark pieces are just as important as the light pieces, because the dark pieces provide perspective. When you go to Shane and Company, or Jared, and get that special diamond that they want you to put a mortgage on your house to get, you know that they show it to you on black velvet so that the radiance of the diamond shows forth. It provides perspective. Do you realize that all those dashed expectations are going to be used by God in his mosaic of your life? And you know what the mosaic looks like at the end of your life? It looks like Jesus. It doesn't look like you. Because that, that's why he called you to himself. To, to work in your life. To change you. To change your character from glory to glory into the image of Christ. You know, last week we talked about Jeremiah 29. And I know you've heard this many times, but I want to bring it up here just to, in review. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14, in the New Living, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. 
you realize that after that was presented, nothing changed in their life immediately. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. And you go, well, that's a nice scripture, but nothing's changed in my life. I spent all this money getting my degree, and I can't find a job that fits my qualifications. And I got this huge debt, this huge college debt, and, and it doesn't make sense. This isn't how I wanted it. Have you ever felt that way? This marriage isn't how I wanted it. These children didn't turn out like I wanted it. My life didn't turn out like I wanted it. I mean, in, even in marriage, you're sitting there in a counseling session, and the wife says, you know, I used to wake up crabby. Now I just let him sleep. Can we take our expectations and, and release them to God? If he is good, if he is kind, if he is just, if he's all-knowing, then can I trust his plans and his expectations for me? Am I willing to release my expectations, even my rights? I have a right to this. I have a right to live to a good old age. I have a right to a retirement. I have a right, I have a right, I have a right. Actually, as a Christian, you surrendered your rights when you put Jesus as your Lord. It's his rights. It's his fairness. It's his justice. It's his plan. Yeah, but it's my right. I have a right to be healthy and wealthy and wise. Well, who gave you that right? Well, it's just how it is. Wait a minute. What about all those in, at the end of Hebrews 11 that suffered for their faith? Where were their rights? Their heart was like, we want a better resurrection than this life. Jesus died for my sins and saved my eternity. I owe my life to him. I surrender my rights to him. And so, Lord, you just take me as I am and you use me from this point on. I want that adventure that the disciples had. I want to see you work every day in my life. I just have to tell you that there are many times that I don't always walk with a release in my spirit to the Lord's plan for my life. Here I am almost 70 years old. And I think what's ahead What's the future? What's going to happen? Will I be, will I be living on the street? I mean, I, don't, I can't control what happens. What about my health? I mean, all these things. As I'm walking, I'm processing this before the Lord. And the Lord always comes back and says, Have I been faithful to you? Today is the most important day. Just walk in the grace for today. I'll take care of the future. 
And I have to realign my hope with the fact that He is my hope. It's not my circumstances being according to my rights. He is my hope. And actually, that's what he says in the next section. Take a look at verses 1 to 3 as Jesus is ministering to the disciples. John 14, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus knew these disciples were troubled. I mean, he had just told Peter, Oh, you're going to lay down your life for me, are you? You realize that you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter would go, what you talk about, Willis? You know, what's this all about? This doesn't make sense. I'll, I'll die for you. They're troubled. They're agitated. The very word troubled in the Greek is tarasso. And it means to be agitated, to be troubled, to cause one inward commotion, to render anxious and distressed. Jesus knew they were troubled. And and look closely at the wording in verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. That implies there is a choice. Oh, I can't help it. No, let not your heart be troubled. He's given you the first step. You believe in God, believe also in me. The hope in the midst of trouble is Jesus and his heart for you and his understanding of you. Jesus was familiar with the feelings of being troubled. We know this from the gospel records. In Mark chapter 14, verse 33, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, here's what we read. And he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he began to be troubled. Tarasso is the same word. And and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. At the raising of Lazarus, that word trouble still comes up with Jesus. Here's what we read, John eleven thirty two. 32. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now don't be too hard on Mary because we've said the very same thing when our expectations were dashed. Lord, if you had just come in, this whole thing could have been avoided. Well, that's what Mary was saying, basically, because she knew Jesus could heal. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That's that same word. Jesus knows what that feels like. Jesus still understands when you and I as his disciples have a troubled heart, an agitated heart, a heart full of anxiety and dread. You know, David wrote about this in his Psalms. We read Psalm 61 in our responsive reading, but Psalm 55, verse 4, he writes, My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. 
Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy and storm and the tempest. You ever felt like running when you're overwhelmed? I have. You just want to get out of there. And here's Jesus saying, fellas, I'm, I'm going to go and you can't come there. And it's like, what do, I, don't, I don't understand that. What do you mean? He says, but afterwards you will, you will, we will gather together. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And in the sense in the Greek, this is what this is saying. Believe and continue to believe everything you have already seen and heard about me. Believe and continue to believe that I am telling you the truth about having to leave and yet that you will follow me later. Believe me and continue to believe me when I tell you my new commandment to you is to love one another as I have loved you. You know, it's interesting. During this meal, they were arguing who was still going to be the greatest among the, among the 12. And so Jesus is saying, look, fellas, I'm, I'm going to go just love one another. And the example is how I have loved you. You ever notice when you have an agitated spirit or an overwhelmed heart, you're kind of cranky with people? Because your whole world is like tossed salad. It's just up in the air. You're troubled. You're agitated. Jesus understands those times. I remember when we were 22 years old, my wife and I, we were in a youth ministry that had been started by Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. And we were sent out to Richmond, Virginia to open up a, um, a discipleship mission house in the middle of the, of the Fan District, University of Virginia. And it was there that uh, we, we had our second child, Jesse. We didn't, have any, we didn't have much money, so we had to use the Medical College of Virginia. And so, you know, we've got this joy. We've got our oldest son, Micah, who's two and a half years old, and he's running all around causing trouble. And then here is Jesse, and, and yet as the days are going on, he doesn't look right. And his color is changing to kind of like a yellowish. And so after two weeks, we took him to the Medical College of Virginia to have him checked out. And they immediately put him in pediatric ICU. And they diagnosed him as having spinal meningitis. And we're 22 years old. We didn't know what was going on. Talk about being troubled. So we started fasting and praying that God would heal him. Well, he didn't get healed. They were taking spinal tap after spinal tap on this little baby, you know, putting the fluids in the Dixie cup on top of his head. He had bacterial meningitis, beta strep. And the doctor brings us in and says, okay, here's what you can expect. And he read off the list of the deformities and the disabilities and all the rest of those that had this as a baby. And we're just stunned. 
talk about expectations dashed and we didn't we didn't know what to do other than pray five weeks he was in intensive care and finally they pumped tens of thousands of units of penicillin through him to try to kill the bacteria and finally his meninges fluid was clear and we brought him home and we waited and we waited and we waited and he's 47 years old now he took the church that I had the privilege of starting he's been there 10 years it's part of his testimony he is left-handed though and I'm not sure if that's part of it But you know, God has a way of taking your dashed expectations and putting them in his own plan. And that's something where you just have to go back and say, Lord, you are Lord. I am your servant. They were feeling, the disciples were, were feeling a bit abandoned. Have you ever felt abandoned by somebody? Where you're just, it's like at the worst possible moment, they take off. But Jesus never abandons you, even though you don't feel him. Even though you have this sense like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and you don't even know where God is. Is this whole thing even real? Yes, there are times like that because your feelings can just tell you all kinds of things different than what Jesus has said. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then Jesus starts talking about his father's house in verse 2. I'm going to prepare a place for you. By the way, the word mansions is an unfortunate English translation because our concept of a mansion, a mansion is like, you know, all. it's not like that. It simply means a dwelling place, a simple dwelling place in, in the days of, of Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. That's the hope. The hope in the midst of a troubled heart is Jesus being with you. I remember hearing the testimony of Heather Mercer back in the um, 2000s when um, Desert Storm was going on. She was a missionary that had been taken by the Taliban. And the Americans started bombing the camp where they were hidden. And she talks about hiding under the bed frame, hoping that there wouldn't be a bomb that would destroy the container they were, hit, where they were held in. And her prayer was, Jesus, just be with me. Just be with me. I mean, to hear that story is, was just so dramatic, so dynamic. Because that's what it all comes down to. Jesus will say later on, uh, will say later on, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That life is what sustains you. Jesus has gone into heaven now in his glorified body as our high priest before the Father. And he says here, very clearly, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. 
Do you have an assurance this morning that when you die, you'll go to heaven? Jesus wants you to have that assurance. God has set it up for Jesus to be the one, the key, the one to to get you into heaven. It's not St. Peter at the gate. The whole test is, have you believed on the Son of God, Jesus Christ? Here's what Jesus said in the direction of the way forward, verses 4 through 6. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus did not say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life. It is very clear that it's a narrow way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Unless you could come up with any other conclusion, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, the narrow road. It begins at the cross and goes by the empty tomb. It's found winding through the Holy Spirit and his leading, and it leads directly to the gates of heaven. He is the truth. He is the standard by which all things are measured. His words are absolute and accurate and exactly communicate the Father's will and heart. He is the truth. Yeah, but what if society doesn't believe it? What if society says that my belief is a lie? Jesus said they will say that. But you have to hang on to him as the truth. Receive and believe his works. Trust in him. He is the life. Not just physical existing, but a kind of life that sustains, a kind of life that gives you purpose, a kind of life that gives everything a whole new meaning. Some of you in the secret of your life have said, oh, that I could just start over. Oh, that I could just hit the reset button and I could have a fresh new life. Well, in Jesus, that's what he wants to give you, a fresh new life. It doesn't mean that the repercussions of sinful choices have been necessarily erased. But it does mean he will put his life in you to give you a future and a hope. It changes everything. But we fight with that. We fight with that. Sometimes it's fear. If I really let God have everything in my life, do you know what that will do to me? Well, you have no idea. You're just full of fear, and pride is there as well, and unbelief. Are you willing to take a risk and to lay it all down and let Jesus be your everything? Because he is the hope in the midst of an overwhelmed, troubled heart. And so as we close here this morning, I want to talk to those of you that are listening online. 
I know you're all snuggled in your My Little Pony blanket and you're all there, but, but I want you to listen to me. Have you really surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you taken everything and, and put it at the foot of the cross and say, it's you and you only? And then confessing your fear and your doubt. I just want to say that he'll receive you because he understands your trouble. Those of you listening on the radio on Grace FM, you're driving down the road. You're hoping that you can not just run off the road or somebody doesn't slide into you. But you can have his life in you for an assurance and a peace and a rest in the midst of trouble. So as we close in a word of prayer, those of you that are not sure if you have surrendered your life to Christ, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you pray along with me. And you give your life to him as best as you can. And then after the service, come on up and we'll give you a packet to get you started in the Lord. And the second prayer I'm going to give is for those of us that are really having a troubled heart because of dashed expectations. It's time to really receive the comfort and the rest that Jesus wants to give us in the midst of our dashed expectations. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that this text is here. We thank you, Lord, you've set up this divine appointment with me teaching and those listening today. And Father God, as you look at all those that are hearing this message, you know the hearts of all of us, and you know that there may be some that have not yet surrendered their life to Jesus, your Son. Would you move upon them and give them courage and faith by which to believe? Father, would you move them to, to pray this prayer and surrender their life to you through Jesus? As we continue to pray, if this is you this morning, let this be your prayer. And say to him, God, I come to you this morning. And I want to lay down my fight. I confess to you that I have my fears and my doubts. But I ask you in the name of Jesus, your son, to forgive me of all my sin. I believe on him. He is your son. He died for my sin. May you fill me now with the Holy Spirit of God. And may you adopt me into your family by your grace. And I thank you for listening to me. As we continue to pray for those of you that are really dealing with a troubled agitated heart it's time to say God I give up I let go of my expectations and my rights and I take yours upon myself I want your right to be my right your expectation to be my expectation please take the crumbled pieces and make your mosaic out of my life. I yield to you. And now, Father, we wait on you to do your work. Surprise us, Lord. Glorify your name.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.